five, four, three, two. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I want to keep that in it or not. All right, here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Alternative Blacks podcast. That's right. Your favorite podcast has another episode before the year ends, so it's very... We're squeezing it in there. Yes, and by this time that you're listening to this episode, we would have had our first event, so thank you to everybody who showed up. That's right, because all of you guys showed up. Yeah, every single one of you. Are going to show up. Yes. Or have. Have. Already. Have had. And you know what? To the people that showed up and hadn't listened to the podcast yet, and this is your first podcast that you're listening to, thank you for showing up. Hiya. <laughs> Hiya. So, this is going to be a quick, like, holiday, decade-end episode, just to kind of discuss about what holidays are like for us, and that can be very similar to what holidays are like for you, maybe. We'll, we'll get a little more into that, but we're also going to take a look back at the decade, go over our favorite beer, go over our favorite albums. I'm going to talk about movies and television. Yeah, because I probably couldn't even come up with a list, to be honest with you. But anyways, before we do any of that... Bam! That's right. That's right. So, today we're going back to Oak Brook Brewing here, of course. Um, we're doing we're doing a, a very interesting beer because... <coughs> excuse me. Very interesting beer because it kind of has a callback to some Reading Brewing history. Um... And it's called uh, Deppin Cream Ale. Yes. Um, Definitely cream. And it's cool because Deppin Brewing Company is actually the attributed brewer on Untapped. That's awesome. Which is really awesome. Because um, the last time I think they were open was like 1908. Right. Right. So uh, that's pretty cool. Um, Deppin Cream Ale, um, it's, was, it, uh, was it 7%? 7%. Five. Oh, this, five. this shows this shows five, but I think it's seven percent. Yes, I think this is a little outdated, but um, it it's aged a little bit since nineteen oh eight, so it's kind of bumped up in its ABV. If it's only if it only bumped up by two percent, it is a cream ale. <laughs> I guess it would be barrel aged. Barrel aged. Well, it, it is be... not barrel aged. It's just a cream ale. Uh, it was really cool. I was watching WFMZ, you know, like sixty nine news type of. John that goes on and uh, when we first established this relationship with Oprah Brewing Company our sponsors thank you very much thank you you yeah. um, I had been talking to Kyle and he was just like yo we got like some new things coming out that we're really excited about so we'll, we'll definitely like keep you updated and they just kind of let us know ahead of time that they were working on some special things I alluded to that on one of our previous episodes uh, and then I'm sitting back the news comes on I'm upstairs or whatever and my mom's like that's what my mom sounds like. Sorry, mom, if you're listening. Uh, like, come down here. So I, I see Kyle. He's on. He's on TV, and he's talking about Deppin Brewing Company and the beer that they brought back. And it's like this deer on Mount Penn with the pagoda behind him. So it was really cool. It's a, it's a nice nod back to one of the apparently twenty breweries that used to exist in the Reading area, and that's part of the reason why we originally reached out to Oakbrook. In the first place, asking them if they wanted to be sponsors for the show because they have historically shown interest into the community and have often wanted to give back to different organizations that exist within the Reddingburgs area. So uh, 
Shout out to them for doing something so historical. This is really cool. This is what I'm about when it comes to beer is the story behind the beer, the company, and just the area in general. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool um, because we we uh, like like you like you mentioned earlier, um, especially when we're talking about wow, there's like you know there's five be- there's five breweries in Reading. Yeah, wow, it's amazing. Yeah. So it's, it's a mecca. There's twenty. There was twenty. There was twenty. Now, of course, very different scene and you know very different beer because you were putting together like you know your your son like even before reading uh sunshine or whatever like the sly fox has recently yeah. brought back you, you drink and it just it's reminiscent of you know your millers your you know this beer or reading like, beer reading beer for sure definitely Redding, tastes like a miller reading no no course no, reading reading beer tastes better than miller but Coors, I would go with I would go with not Coors Light, but just Coors. Okay. It, I would agree with Coors, Coors. Banquet. Yeah. Coors Banquet. Yes. yes. Um, it reminds me of just that general style. Like, is that a Pilsner? Reddings? I don't think so. I mm, think it's okay. just a. Little... It just has to be something reminiscent of that, like style. Just seems like what your average but light I don't, I don't or think like Coors standard is a Pilsner macro either. beer. Yeah. Is that Miller? Miller's a, a Pilsner. Okay. Maybe that's it. Uh, I drink more Miller than Coors. Which is just. I do not like Coors. Like, if I have to go... And I don't like Miller. I don't like Miller, but I can stand Miller more. If I was going to go... Miller more. Miller more, really? Listen. It flowed. Cheap, cheap, cheap beer to drink, Pibber. Yeah, PBR. 100%. But what happens when PBR is not an option? I don't know. Heineken? Two fucks with some Heineken. You better, know, if, we're, if we're going that way, though, I'm going better Bex. Pilsner. I'm going Bex, then. If we're going to go on that level, if you're going to tell me I have to drink around like a Heineken, I'm going Bex. Oh, then I'm going to go Stella. Then we might as well start taking that step ladder up to craft beer. With Stella? We're, we're starting to get there. Maybe. What do you think of this beer, Tyler? This beer is creamy. Uh, the, the cream ale really Don't say the word creamy. <laughs> it's creamy. Ugh. No, ooh. Ooh, all right. Ooh. Edit that out, Tyler. All right. Um, <laughs> we need to get someone to edit. <laughs> oh, no, it's good. It has, I don't know. It, it is kind of reminiscent to a, like, cream soda to me. That's 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 a good point. Where where that, that I'm going to say the word again. That creaminess comes into play. Um, I would say it's, it's, it's extremely light. It, what is it, actually um, it has it's pretty refreshing it has it does have a good bit of bitterness on the back end of it which um this with is subsequent a- with subsequent sips gets better but um this it's still was, there this was surprisingly better than i actually thought it was going to be not I'm, gonna lie i'm like right around where i thought it was gonna be although i will say for a cream ale that's reminiscent of a very old beer, it does have a good amount of like hop flavor in it. Mm-hmm. So I like that. But I remember talking, I forget who it was, but someone older was talking about how like back in the day, like all the old beers had this incredible bitterness from the hops because they threw a shit ton of hops in it, but it wasn't like in a crafty way. They you know, they just put a bunch of hops in it. You need hops for beer. I think that was enough. <laughs> One more. <laughs> was that like a Jordan, like yeah. a Kobe, or <laughs> throw the last hop in there with, with the gooseneck? 
<laughs> Perfect form. No, uh, but uh, I definitely see that with especially these, you know, the macro beers that are trying to like keep that old school flavor, if you want to call it that. But the bitterness is is like a hallmark of, of some of these beers. So like if you're going, if we're going, you know, a callback to something older, I, I, I excuse the bitterness because that's yeah. kind of what it's, what it's going for, but it does have a good flavor to it. Um, cream ales in general, I'm kind of like I'm not, not crazy. big on. And that's kind of how I came into this episode, knowing that I wasn't going to be like, oh, this beer is so great because I'm not a cream ale guy. It's just, it's not... When you look at this list later, I'll discuss the list that existed before bringing it down to just the five. It was all like IPA, double IPA, APA, and even that APA was really an IPA. (laughs) (laughs) Was it really an APA? Because I read it just a pale ale. Like just straight up pale ale. It said pale ale American. All right. You win this one. Aha. This time. Yeah. So... As I said, this was a lot better than I was expecting because one, cream ale was already going to be like, eh, to me. Two, it being a nod back to olden days, just like the Redding uh, Sunshine beer. When I tasted that, I was wildly disappointed. I don't know what, at that point, I had so much more anticipation and expectations of it because I always saw the logo and I just kind of put into the back of my mind about what beer was. Is that is that that's really how you went into it? I'm surprised. Because it was so nostalgic to me. It was like I've always seen the logo and I was so excited like, oh this is like yes. Because I just it couldn't be bad in my mind for some it, reason. It was exactly what I thought it was gonna be. And, and I was I, I was it, I was I was okay with that. Yeah. When I had it I was like, no this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> This is fine. <laughs> this is fine. Flames. <laughs> Bitter flames. Uh, so we were talking about like dry hops and basketball goosenecks and shit like that, right? And it just got me thinking, if James Harden were to have a craft beer, well, I would think it would be a double dry hop. <laughs> I'd be, I don't know why. Thoughts? I, I couldn't make it into like a walking analogy or something like that. What would no. you name James Harden's beer? Hmm. Hmm, 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 Some. No, back. I, no. <laughs> no, no. Okay, this is what's gonna. It's, this is what's gonna be called. You could say hop back, or I would make a pun with changing the word hop to flop. Double flop back. Double flop. Double dry flop IPA. <laughs> There it is. Beard edition. So, James Harden, we know you're listening. Uh, We just came up with a great IPA. We have a a star-studded... Oh, it's uh, crazy. The amount of people that just hit me up like, yo, really like the episode, dog. Well, T.I. Uh, listened to the last one, and now we have James Harden. Yeah. Wow. Um, Amazing. Yeah. But speaking of lists, um, yeah, so it's not only the end of the year, it's the end of the decade. That is wild. It's the end of the 2010s, so... Right, because 2010, we were still in high school. Yeah, we were. Wow. <laughs> Just to bring that into like, so but then, still but, drinking but, beer. But that's uh-huh. terrible because mm-hmm. 2010, the beginning of the decade, we were in high school and not like children. We're old. Right. Cause when you, I still think of the decade being like 2000. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I hear 10 years ago, I'm like, yeah, in 2000. I, when I hear 10 years ago, it's like, yeah, food and liquor. <laughs> 
Food and Liquor was a good <laughs> album ten years ago. It's like, oh, it's not that ten like years lasers. ago. Lasers. Oh dear. Lasers was like ten years ago. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. We're, we're not quite there yet. No, it's no. like eight years ago. Yeah, but then we got like Food and Liquor two and everything that. The cool was like twelve years ago. Yeah. Anywho. Anywho. Uh, top three albums of the decade. We'll let you start off strong because mine's all over the place. At least you have a three. Okay, I have six listed, but five and six are strong. Five and six, a.k.a. they're not moving up. Wow, so, and I'm hurt because of one of <laughs> your six is in my list. <laughs> I know. Okay, so number one is To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. That I, was on my list. I knocked it out. Not, so, let's not only is it not only is it decade defining, it's yeah. genre defining. Like this is a moment in hip hop history. I know, because you and I, prior to having this podcast, this was actually one of the discussions that prompted us to want to have a podcast is because we were talking about the top like five rap albums to ever exist and I think you edged out like my black album for, for this album and so I was like really offended you were triggered I was triggered and I was like it wasn't triggered. even that great of an album but Dependent Butterfly was exceptional album the more I go back to it I really want to listen to it on vinyl oh, I wonder where you could do that at yeah I think you might have it <laughs> maybe we'll have a that could be a special Patreon only episode where we put the album on vinyl on and we just do a live live episode around that and thank you to my wonderful girlfriend for getting that for me plugs <laughs> um yeah the pimple butterfly that was a great album i i, I it was on my list i had like 11 albums t-pab it was originally going to be to pimp a caterpillar which would have been tupac which is amazing mm-hmm. because that's kind of what the album's so number two <laughs> I am going to be completely me, and number two for me is going to be Good Kid, Mad City. True. Now, number one was my choice, not just because of my preference, but also because I really do believe it's the best album of the decade in general, not like just my preference. Number two is my preference. Number two, bonus track... (laughs) Has my favorite song, I think, of the decade. I don't think any other song could bring me out of of a state of blackout drunk. (laughs) (laughs) The way that Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe remix. I remember that moment of the concert. (laughs) Oh. And as you and I both know, they might not know, but you and I both know, that concert was a blur. (laughs) For you. (laughs) Yes. Good job. But I remember everything. Jeez. It's that uh, Trinidad James in four weeks and now my album platinum and shit. Oh, yeah. So like, because oh, <laughs> it started off with Bitch Don't Come My Vibe. I was like, all right, whatever. And then I was like, oh, Jay Z gonna, so gonna come out. Jay Z gonna come out. He did not. Disclaimer. In Hershey, in Hershey <laughs> outdoors in a summer night it's is Jay Z. Like, you could like get on your private jet and be in Hershey. He could have flown that in and just trampled us. <laughs> Technically, it's over, but okay. Um,. Good Kid Mad City, no, I I really believe Good Kid Mad City to be like one of the better coming out albums ever. And everyone wanted to crown oh, that. Came out? Everyone wanted to crown <laughs> that as a classic right away. And, you know, 
even Kendrick was like, man, you know, you got to let that sit. And then he was, and then he's like, this is why I'm going to let that sit to pimp a butterfly. Bam. Okay. So for me, again, this is why the pimp a butterfly ended up being when I went back and listened to it, everything again. Like going back to what? Section 80, going back mm-hmm. to this. I mean, going back to Good Kid Mad City and then dropping back into the Pimple Butterfly. Oh, it's completely different What's for wrong? one. But to see the, the growth, but also Section 80, like the themes that he was trying to work with there. I think Section 80 and Good Kid Mad City and the Pimple Butterfly, you saw like. Okay, like I have a vision for what I want to, the message I want to get to get across, mm-hmm. and I sort of did it here. And Good Kid, Mad City. Okay, like this is very good. And then to Pimp a Butterfly, it's like you it, can't, you can't beat this. He brought it to a new level, and he's been consistent with this level, I think, since. In yeah. my mind, I'm not as big on Damn, but thematically, I am. That for me, it's all about thematics. Thematically, but. Thematically, it's good. Music, I don't think he executed what, damn? the theme. Yeah, and damn. I don't think he executed the theme quite as good. Yeah, but you have the... Quite as well. Throw it in reverse. Yeah. And then let a whole album... Play in reverse. Yeah, that's very cool. In which you bought the reverse side, and I had to tell you <laughs> that it was the reverse order of the track list. Everything's going backwards. No, I don't know if I know how to make my Jeep do that. It doesn't do it with any other album, so... And then I was I like, know. give me the album. <laughs> Give me the album cover. It's like, this is in reverse. Huh. Huh. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, like, yeah like, man, I really love how it starts with the story about, you know, this his is the dad. last track. <laughs> and, and, you know, it ends with that really enigmatic, like, woman voice. Look, I'm like, that, to me, was so crazy because of the fact, and it's really funny that Damn's not on either of your lists now because we're going to talk about it. It was such a good album to me. In reverse. And that's what I'm talking about in the thematic like scale of things is it was such a great experiment in making things work in reverse. Right. Like you could like the story that he's trying to tell can be told front right. and back. I listen to it knowing now that it's reverse, not ever really listening to it any other way. Yeah. But as I get closer and closer to the end of the C D, I think about it as the beginning of the C D and just think about how well it just was able right. to do both it's, things. Because yeah. I'm listening to it in different ways. Like, wow, this is really how that would have ended. And like, oh, this is really the beginning. And it just, it blows my mind. Um, and I just got to give a shout out to you for being like a Kendrick stan from like day one. Because I remember the first like two I or three years. I wouldn't say I'm a stan. Bro, you were the, man, you got to listen to this dude. You yeah, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean like, if I was a stan, I would have damn on as number three on my list. If I were a stan. <laughs> Untitled, <laughs> and I yeah I would have and then four is untitled unmastered. <laughs> it's not technically an album, but it's like stuff that got but cut shit, from an album. But so shit, it's shit. better than any other album that anybody yeah. else is putting out. So, at least I, at least I didn't say uh, at least at least I didn't put what a time to be alive on my list. Are you, is that a that's a jab? Yeah, and that's a that's a that's a haymaker. Yeah, Ryan. <laughs> the hell, man. <laughs> the hell. I didn't bring it up. He did. He did. Man, no. don't blame the radio. Okay, number th- number three <laughs> slash four because I'm kind of these are like this is like a three and three A and I could oh, go either up. way. So you get to have more than three. I had to cut mine back. You went like nine or ten. I definitely had eleven. <laughs> like every one of your list had like ten. I definitely did a Dylan. 
You did. Plugged, plugged Plug. for average pod. Yeah. <laughs> it's still out there. It yeah, technically go, exists. Go, go it, listen to it, the go listen to the latest episode of the average podcast. From like May or whatever. <laughs> yes, yeah, especially no. the January episode. Yeah. Alright, we're gonna do like best three albums. Alright, so I got twenty two. <laughs> I wanted to see your face when he said that. I actually have a screenshot of I was just on a show recently and uh, BCTV show. I was there for uh, doing a tennis related thing, and <laughs> <laughs> it's a dream on <laughs> Yes, that's exactly why. And I'm gonna put this in the show notes. That face will be in the show notes because <laughs> it was one. That should th- just be. That should just be the the uh, episode cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, when you that's guys listen to it, you'll cover. see the episode yes. cover. It'll oh, make more sense man. now. But any anywho. <laughs> Um, three and th- three and three A for me, and you're welcome to do this if you want. It's too late. No, okay, I know how to get you. there. No, I, I, um, I have the other document, my private document. That's right, your private document, because apparently we keep secrets at Alternative Blacks. <laughs> right. Um, number three like for me. Eight. Number. Th- <sighs> okay. My heart wants to say number four is first, but number three is definitely first, and it's my beautiful dark twisted fantasy by Kanye West. For sure. It is. For the decade. For the decade. It's a very for the decade because like, he that is that is to me his third best album ever because his first two Which are is, much better. Again, when you're talking about a thematic album, this this hits it to me. This hits I was it. actually going the other way. I was gonna say college dropout, late registration hit here's much what, more. It did, but here's why I think. My and the reason it's on the list too is it it seemed like a bunch of crazy like random songs, but that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. I mean, just it's in the title and it's about you know dealing with the demons that success brings and having that lifestyle and you know hedonism. So to me, you know, he hit that perfectly. It's just it. It was intentionally opposite of what he would know of what he did on the first two albums. So, it, like, you have to go in knowing that it's not gonna just flow because it's not meant to flow. It's meant to be crazy and all over the place, and Hustle every and song flow. is different. Hustle and flow. Never watched it, so I've... really, you know this already. I mean, it, it hits me differently every time. That's on the list. It's was that on the list? hundred list? I don't think it was. I think that was no. Like... I think it was. Okay, I think it was. Okay, so we did better this argument. All right, cool. Might have been the Mad Elf before the show. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, <laughs> I have three three B or three A or whatever you want to call it that I'm that I'm kind of moving up to three is Drogus <laughs> Wave by Lupe Fiasco, which I know none of y'all listen to. I do. But please go listen to Drogus Wave now if you've. Now, if you didn't know, I love Lupe Fiasco. No. He is my favorite rapper of all time. And Drogas Wave is the best album since The Cool. Since? Since The Cool. It rivals The Cool. It does. But I still edge The Cool out. So this is top three albums of Lupe's career. And he is a rap legend. Whether you want it, not you, but... You all mm-hmm. want Y'all. to admit that? What do you or mean, not. you people? <laughs> Whether you people want to admit it or not, ah! he's a he's a legend. 
So, Drogas Way, Lupe Fiasco, you want to talk about, first of all, it's a ridiculously long track list, but the first half is just a, like an epic, like a story. Like it, Beowulf. Yes, or the cool. Oh. So, <laughs> so like the first, the first, the first like half of the album is that it's just like a a very a very uh, um what's the word put together story. It's a very put together contiguous story. Yes, it's a very <laughs> contiguous story, and it comes to a head, and then it breaks off into its second half which doesn't really necessarily have like a story behind it anymore but like the themes that it's playing with is kind of like the first half of the album kind of begs like the questions that the thoughts on mm. each on the back half of the album it describes um it's it's just the production's really good which sometimes Lupe can lack in production mm-hmm. which is another reason I really love this album and of course you have the themes throughout. You have the crazy lyricism throughout. Which is just a the, staple my, for... My favorite song, he's literally... he ha- His whole verse is naming slave ships. That is literally the whole verse is just him listing slave ships that sank during the Atlantic slave trade. Fuck. All right. Cool. And like you listen to it and you're like, this is this sounds, this is right. this is kind of whack. But so, then you listen you really know. By the time we do the Lupe episode... You will have listened to this. I will have listened to and you, all of it. And you and you will understand oh, the Oh, no, because I'm going to also rap genius the fuck out of everything. Too, you will need you, to rap genius the fuck you, out of everything. I don't know many people who can just listen to a Lupe album and not have referred to any type of document. I can't. I mean, I don't know who can. Like you said, it's it's hard. I don't even think Lupe understands the levels that he <laughs> hits sometimes. He'd be rapping shit and he's just like, what did that say? <laughs> Yeah, that's real deep, man. Yeah. But like, people have like, you could have like an accredited like, uh, master's level um, literature course on Lupe's still... discography. People probably do have that. I mean, if you can they do should. the Jordan brand, then you can do Lupe. So, oh lord, <laughs> the Jordan brand, a study on uh, black exploitation, black capitalism. And the white people that earned all the money off of that. Why we 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 really attack? Oh shit! What was his name? I forgot his name. That's good actually. I'm glad I forgot his name. I used to know this motherfucker's name. Who? Who runs Nike? Who was? I don't know. White Mick Whiterson. Phil Knight? No. <laughs> Phil Knight. <laughs> oh, there's a Phil Knight reference in uh, Jogus Wave. By See, the way. See, I knew it. <laughs> knows he knew we were gonna have this conversation so shout out to lupe for listening to this album for this episode as well thank you that's really our dude <laughs> all right so speaking of that type of so, like let let the, those call outs the people we never met yes it's a perfect segue into my one of my picks okay 2014 forest hill drive ah yes remember that like <laughs> there are <laughs> He, at the very end of 2014 for his drive, he didn't he didn't get his show credits in. Oh yeah, so he just <laughs> he does, like listed he does, them all. He does um 
Jonah Hill. <laughs> Jonah Hill. And, and, and I forget uh, who else. I wasn't there. It was uh, Jonah Hill and, and Dale uh, Earnhardt. Or no. Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. Dale yeah. Earnhardt Jr. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the, the elevator. Yeah. Like, I'll never forget that conversation we had. That. Nah, I never met them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 2014 Forest Hill Drive for me was, again, you put me on to people before I knew I was going to be into people. Ah. Because you said Kendrick. I was like, ah, fuck. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. That song's cool. Whatever. You were like, oh, I think you should give J. Cole a chance. Because I was back, like, you were saying, like, oh, no, I, I kind of fuck with J. Cole with, uh, was it Natural Born Center? What was the? There was Born Center. Born Center. And then Forest Hills Drive. Right. And, like, so Born, Born Center, Center had, like, one song that I kind of right. liked. And, and that's the thing. Like, Born Center was, like, what, the workout? <laughs> like. No, that was. Uh, what was that? That, that was. That was previous. Oh, was that to that? That 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 was that might have been sideline story, or it might have been the one. No, like there's one. But there's there's one J Cole stand that's not listening to podcasts because she doesn't listen to podcasts. I'm glad because I'm flubbing over all this shit right now. But (laughs) uh, and people people do say that the stuff before Born Sinner was like his best stuff. I can't even even well. It's a style thing, but okay. also, this, but also, it. but also, here's the thing. Well, he had a shit ton of mixtapes. Yes, the mixtapes. So I you mean, can. It's very understandable to... that you miss mixtapes. You know, I, I, no, I mean, I listen to those mixtapes. Some of those mixtapes, but... but I will say this though. This is, I will say this, um, and the reason that he didn't hit crack my top three or top five even. Um, might be because of the same thing that people that like his older stuff only or more than his newer stuff. We might have the same reason. All right, what that, is that? What is that reason? And that why well, don't I? I will. I'll let you describe Force Hill Drive for you, for the people and why you liked it before I tear it down. And it's not even a tear Damn, it down. Fuck. Like, should I even like talk about it then? Um, you know what? It's, I'm going about down. their albums. Uh. <laughs> tear it down is not even the right word because it's on my list. Right. Uh, no, 2014 Forest Hill Drives. I just I love the production quality of it, especially most recently when I ended up buying the vinyl and you get to hear the crack, like the crackle in it a little more. And it just it was meant to be played on a vinyl. To like, pimp a butterfly. What? It's <laughs> my response. <laughs> Yes, that too. But have you listened? You haven't listened to it I'm yet. Not. I have it. I'll bring it over. We're just gonna have like that's gonna be the second vinyl show we have. It's <laughs> twenty fourteen for Rachel Drive. Uh, great time to drop that album. Uh, this guy I'm doing a music video for. We talked about it, like it's a perfect time to drop something. And he goes, yeah, I did. I did this song, and it really needs to drop now. Because it's the same kind of like idea behind 2014 for your still drive. It's not going to work if it wasn't dropped in 2014. You couldn't have pushed it off and let it drop in 2015. It had to drop. So uh, that was cool to me. The This is one of those records that I got through and didn't realize there was no features. Yeah. Until the end of the album when he said like, you know, we did, like we did it with no feature, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, shit. I will actually listen to that track, that last ending track, knowing it's really a waste of a beat like Lupe Fiasco does. Oh, the Lupe Fiasco beat was like... He pisses me off. J. Cole <laughs> pissed me off because he didn't do anything with that beat. But, uh, I don't know, this was really my first deep dive into J. Cole, my first time to listen into like, what he was saying, and just his overall vibe and how he would like play with shit. And it was just... 
it's entertaining to me. It, it was. Um, did it work out for you? No, no. It did better than the workout. No, I I didn't work out like that. I don't know. That one wasn't as crazy for me. That that song, I just that. I like that the song, fact that he sampled Kanye. Yeah, that's cool. Work out for me. But uh, twenty. So I love twenty four. I think twenty fourteen Four Souls Drive is his best major album. Mm-hmm. I do like KOD, but I think this album edges it. That's the thing. Like KOD, like I thought about it because it's like yeah, I'm a yeah. J Cole fan. KOD. Mm-hmm. KOD's good, but it's 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 not Four Souls Drive. But here's even with Four Souls Drive, like I love the one thing. So people. People love to compare Kendrick and J. Cole for some reason, I guess. It doesn't make sense. But they're, it's really apples to oranges because I mean, they're like, two Le- completely different. LeBron Michael. They're two completely different artists, like style, stylistically. Like most people that would like a J. Cole probably, you know, wouldn't like what a Kendrick does. They right? might appreciate both They'll artists. appreciate, but you, you, you have your preference. Like my preference is for Kendrick Lamar, but J. Cole. Right, because is, Kendrick Lamar definitely killed Black Friday. Yes, Kendrick Lamar did have the best verse on Black Friday, by far. It's not even close. And it's coming from someone who prefers to listen to J. Cole. This over is coming Kendrick. from from someone who knows what they're not, <laughs> <laughs> who has an ear <laughs> and can hear. No, but uh, <laughs> no. The, the reason that J. Cole's albums are good to me, or even really good to me but not great to me to be a decade on the decade list. Like there's something to be said about the way he attempts to flesh out a theme and just never quite gets there. Or he'll say something that, or he'll try to address an, an, a profound idea, but not really hit a profoundness on the idea. And I think for me, in that sense, he can fall flat. Okay. So in that it, so I really enjoy what he does, but it doesn't move me in the mm. way that a to pimp a butterfly can move me. In the way that Kendrick can move me. In the way that Lupe can move me. Okay. In the way that Kanye can right. move me. So this is where I see that because I, I get where you're going with that, and I think where I appreciate it from is like, yeah, he he brings up the idea and then never like. Brings a resolution to it, or is that what you're kind of coming at? Not even that he doesn't bring a resolution because you don't have to bring resolution. Right, that's where I was coming. Because from. I don't think Kendrick brought a resolution on to Pimp Butterfly, or even to a good, or even Good Kid, Mad City, or even Damn. He he doesn't bring resolutions, but what he does is he says what he, has he, a what he feels. Point, right. He has okay. a finite point, and he says, you know, shit. I don't have the answers, but this is how I feel. Mm-hmm. But I can't. I it's too it's too big for me, but cool. J Cole I, never gets there. I, I see where you're coming from. I don't know because for me, when I listen to a J Cole album, I often like even if I'm listening to a couple tracks as I'm driving around or something like that. I usually leave the car or just if I'm chilling in the house, I do end up thinking differently. I end up seeing something from a different point of view, and it's not because. Hmm. I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it because you're right. He doesn't round out his ideas as well as Kendrick does. I will give you that. To me, his points can be good points, but a lot of what he's a lot of the 
it's not profound. Mm -hmm. It's not profound. It's not like, it's not deep. He says it and it's like, shit, yeah, that's a good point. But it's not, it's, it's sort of an obvious statement. It's kind of, it's kind of flat. It's still an obvious statement, but how many obvious statements are being made? I, I don't know. For me, it's, I feel like there's a, and I might be wrong with this, a drought on even that level of thinking. Like, for some reason, J. Cole and Kendrick, like, Kendrick obviously being more, uh, being deeper and all that type of shit, but, like, still J. Cole, yeah. When you look at our favorite rappers from a idealistic, like, what is actually being discussed idea when you're talking about Kendrick's, when you're talking about Lupe's, when you're talking about... Even J. Cole, even though he's probably lower on the tier of things when you're talking about Kanye and when you're talking about Jay-Z. Like, to me, outside of that, on a very mainstream thing, because you still got, like, most deaf. You still got, like, Talib Kweli. And there's a lot of young guys that aren't but in, you, in you the see, spotlight I, I think that what still I like, hit that. Yeah, what I like about J. Cole is I think he is a introductory, like, introductory course on conscious rap. That's fair, he, but that's kind of my point. But but again, for me, it's cool because like J. Cole, I feel is like sometimes more palatable. Like he, he's more on the level that would allow someone to to come into things. See, I think that Kendrick I, is... I was going to be more even too. Like Kendrick can do it too on a higher plane. But Kendrick, yeah, Kendrick can be so, palatable. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, okay, so we'll call J. Cole like 101, but maybe Kendrick 150 or 250. Yeah, and then, Lu- and then Lupe's like 650. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, so again, I, I comment about this often, more like personally with like you and I, or maybe I, I got a chance to listen to one of, to sit down with one of our day one listeners. Shout out to uh, Jonathan Alsop. What a great guy. Uh, Class got a, act. I got a chance to sit down and talk to him. And a lot of times I feel, not a lot of times, there'll be points that you and I are trying to get to from a different path. And we find ourselves kind of getting like mixed up on how we want to get to that point. But we're both, I think, are trying, trying to, to get approach to the, the same it, point. Exactly. I think we appro- we have the same view of we, we're placing J. Cole exactly in the same place. Right. It's but just, we're just describing I'm coming, why. I'm coming from the top down. I think you're coming from the bottom up. Yeah. I'm like, J. Cole, awesome. Let's get to, let's get to Kendrick. And you're because, like, Kendrick, J. Cole, come on. Yeah, because t- in this discussion about the top three albums of the decade, 10 years, yes, the best. Yes. I mean, okay, okay. So that's where I'm coming wait, 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 from. Let, let, let's let's yeah. describe this because I, I think it the was best more, to me. it became definitive, definitive right. to me. Right. And J. Cole was, okay, so another part about why I picked J. Cole, J. Cole was like one of the, this listening to this album started picking me out of like a very low point in my life. Like, I had listened to this album in the apartment while I was still in a weird funk. I think I should have been in class. <laughs> and I was listening to this album and something, like, struck a chord. I mean, that's fair. And, and Exactly. So this is where a lot of these, like, I had to... There's a lot of albums that I could have put on this list and I dropped out because I had to think about the definitive reason why. I I have... To me, if we're doing... if we, The albums that did that for me have a special place right. but aren't as good as these okay. unfortunately which is why I don't include them um because the the my two are just to me he- head and shoulders yeah, yeah, yeah. above everything else that that I listen to true 
So that's kind of why. But okay. like as far as like the Forest Hills Drive thing, just to end on that, um, right? It's not that I don't like it because I I, I don't like think it. either. I I knew you weren't saying you didn't it's like the just, I under, I, Yeah, yeah. It's just if we're if we're going at it from the perspective of you know this like this is the cream of the crop album. Like I think he's ne- he's he's on that next tier. Yeah, that's fine. All right, going on to the next one. So my next pick for uh, my top three albums, kind of general, uh, branding out the decade, I guess, uh, would be, okay. Mine was a lot more diverse in genre. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to go, but it's funny, it's all within like one year. Because all three, it was either 2014 or 2015. So within a 12 month span. Yes. So moving a year ahead. I would be Blurry Face, 2015-21 Pilots. Definitely be one of my favorite albums. Um, I don't know, 21 Pilots ended up being one of my favorite bands to, to get into. Um, one, their lead guy or whatever, his first name might be Tyler. So how, the how, could you, yeah, how, how could you be like bad? But it, it was kind of, I grew up on Lincoln Park, right? Uh-huh. So this kind of rock rap mix at that point was rock rap. This is more alternative yeah. like rock rap mix. Um, you mean you don't like Limp Biscuit? I, I mean, <laughs> maybe <laughs> chocolate starfish and hot dog flavored water. Urban assault. Urban view? assault vehicle. Like, tell me that song isn't a banger. It's a banger because of everyone uh, that's featured. Everyone that's featured on it. <laughs> Not the man in red man. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, this song for me was like, kind of, I mean, not this song, this this album, like Heavy Dirty Soul, Stressed Out, Ride, uh, Tearing My Heart. Yeah. There, there was just a lot of this, this album that really hit, hit to me. It's about, it's almost an hour long of like, uh, tracks. It's, it's kind of gritty. It has that like, I don't know. This is Alternative Blacks. So there's like a very alternative like aspect to this album that really hits me. The next two are very actually alternative black kind of like arguably music selections. Uh-huh. Okay. So what's your next one then? Next one would be uh, Hamilton. Mmm. That was gangster to me. Hamilton was gangster. Lin-Manuel Miranda or whatever. I always fuck up his name. Uh, he did In the Heights. That was like something I... Uh, Towards my senior year, like the music department actually went out and like saw one of the productions of like what he was doing because he did a lot of Broadway. He does a lot of Broadway stuff. Um, but Hamilton was really cool to me. Dad really got me in, into it. Because uh, his viewpoint was always, we're not educating kids in a way that makes sense anymore. Like you're, you're talking about like talking about revolutionary, like war type era shit. In the same language that they were talking about back then. When you take them down to Philadelphia and you go to Liberty Bell, which I just did and I actually was pissed off the whole time. Because <laughs> you realize, like, back when high school in Reading, like, was every, everyone was taking you down to visit these places, they were still talking about it as if, like, Revolutionary War, like, we got our, like, freedom. It was, and amazing. Was, amazing. was amazing. amazing. And then, like, you're reading it and then you're back there later once you, like, understand shit better because you became more educated and you're like oh these museums actually have nothing to do about my liberation right i was like i'm literally reading this i'm like okay cool uh 
George Washington was on his deathbed, and you know, like he had. There's these two slaves, and uh, Hercules, who was the the cook down at uh, Mount Vernon, and then like at the White House when he died, he released he released uh, Hercules from being a slave. Oh, by the way, he didn't release the kids from being a slave. It was just Hercules because the kids were actually tending to Martha. So, Hercules, you're free. By the way, fuck your kids. <laughs> right, right, and so like. Hamilton was fun in, in one aspect because of how, like, gangster, like, it was like, well, look at, you got to look at Hamilton. He, he came up, both parents died uh, from a, era, like, from a time period where, like, yeah, you're not going to make it past 20. Eh, and you got to get back to that, where it's like, okay, this era of not being in past 20 is because of systematic, like, racism and, like, police brutality and shit like that. 20 is, like, midlife crisis back then. Yeah. So that's another issue, like, where where things didn't, like, translate well. But Hamilton was fun because it was another way to educate children on older subject matter, older history, in a modern way. Because you're, you're looking at Hamilton, I was like, damn, he slept around. Like, he kind of was, like, pimpish, right? He, he, he had gain. He was able to speak. He was a smooth talker. Okay, so that's kind of pimpish. So, like, shit. He dueled someone before and shot somebody. He died because he was in the, like, wow, he had beef. That's kind of cool, you know? Rags to riches story. You know, that type of mentality. Just, like, all these different things. And, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda looked at it. I was like, oh, man, Alexander Hamilton kind of gangster. How about we tell rap, like, how about we tell history from a rap perspective? And not an, in my mind, not an exploitation of rap. Because if you go through that whole thing, it, it from the beginning of the album, it starts off in like your 80s, like late 70s, 80s era of rap style. And he brings it to a much more modern day version of rap by the end of the show. And he does his mob deep tributes. He does different like nods to like, I'm only 19, but my mind is older. Like he, he really did his research and was able to hit upon these different things. And that was fun for me. Just like, because it was not just a historical like element to bring somebody into a bigger light about like the the way that the system is, but you were also looking at it from a uh, evolution of rap, and that's always been a, a big thing of mine. So Hamilton, reason I put this on my list, because looking at a broad spectrum of like defining era moments, Hamilton not only musically and historically what it did, but it was also like. Mike Pence shows up and like, well, fuck you, Mike Pence. Like there, there was a, there's definitely a political, not just historically political, but a current political movement that came with the show. So it's uh, it was cool. It put some people on the map. It got them going forward as far as artists are concerned. And uh, I don't know. It made Broadway blacker. Like to be honest, because you take not only was it rap, and it could have easily been rap with white actors. Like nah. These are going to be, like, Hispanic and, like, uh, black actors. Like, Thomas Jefferson's going to be black. <laughs> How ironic. <laughs> yeah, very ironic. I, it was just a fun... It was, it was definitely a, a fun show. I wish I could have seen it. Uh, maybe Lemon and Manuel Miranda, because, you know, I butchered his name how many times, but he's a big <laughs> fan. Big, big fan. <laughs> Huge. Because you, the biggest. you definitely don't have the money to go buy a ticket. I don't even know if the original cast is still putting it on. <laughs> Anyways, that would be... You know what? No, I'm going into like one or two more because you... you I, I added... Stepped. Yeah. 
I added like one more, and then we talked about another one that was like way down on my list because it was Actually, number one. Yeah, so two of mine, like my next two would have been To Beville Butterfly. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh. And My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Oh, so we good. don't even have to talk about this shit. Very good. Just kind of mention it. Oh, cool. <laughs> the fuck you thought? Cool. <laughs> Top three beers, Tyler. Alright, so this is. Um, when you did your filter, because I, I I approached this from the untapped um, application. I, I put in a, a time range so that we can take an effective look at the past 10 years, so, you know, that we weren't going beyond 10 years. Because we really shouldn't have, and I don't <laughs> even think the app is that old. I don't. It's definitely not, not that old. 2009, I think. It, yeah. So. But when I put it in, I think. Originally, I tried to do 5 to like 4.5. And I was like, 170 beers. And then I was like, okay, well, like 475. It's like 126. I was like, all right, well, just 5. And I was just like, 88. And I was like, <laughs> 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 you were hoping for it to be like 10. Right. I was like, I didn't need that many beers. So to, to back up my, my, uh, my voting, a lot of my fives came early on. Ooh. Because Yingling is out of five. Ooh. So, I fucked up. You did. I done fucked up. You did. You know, you can go back and change it, actually. It, it will happen. Yeah. As I put these in, well, I even looked at my past year. Like, uh, Untapped has a year in review, much like Spotify. So, I did my, my year in review. And it was like, you had 175 check-ins this year. Much lower than I was anticipating. <laughs> but, 175 check-ins. Your unique check-ins were 170. Mm. I definitely drank more than 175 beers. And what that means is a lot of these times where I'm going to places and it's becoming much more frequent where places just don't have a beer that I haven't had. So you have a beer that you had. And, and you... I just don't think about it. Yeah. Or if I'm out at a party and yeah, it, if I get it's something... all like Dirt yeah, Wolf's. Yeah, you're not going to check in. I've checked in Dirt Wolf too many times. Yeah, I've checked in Golden Monkey too many times. Right. So, uh, originally, I was able to break it down. I, I went through the 88, and I picked out the ones that I thought really uh, spoke to me. Uh, and that came down to 13. Mm-hmm. But I did break it down to uh, 5. How do you have 6? Like, get rid of one. <laughs> I'm getting... <laughs> Whatever. Irregardless. Uh, here are my top five beer picks. Fine, fine. Yeah, yeah. Get rid of one of those. There you go. That's right. That, that, that's more like it. Um, <laughs> number one, and this is actually probably my favorite of the list. It should be. It's number one. Yeah. Well, no, that's not how I ranked. But yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, all along the Hop Tower from Duclaw, which is Baltimore. It is. Um, it's a Dippa, which, as I said, everything but and like it, one. Uh, a surprising installment from Duclaw. Yeah. All on the Hop Tower, one, Duclaw is not one of my favorite breweries at all by any means. I just do not Because Sweet Baby Jesus is awful. Right. Well, okay. I have to go it's back not to awful. it. I have to go back to it. It's just mediocre. Right. Uh, so I did. I had a bad introduction into Duclaw, so I didn't really fucks with them. Um, all on the Hop Tower, give a nice uh, little nod to Jimi Hendrix all along the Watchtower. Uh, bruh. This beer, for some reason, I'm pretty sure Mary Sixpack and more ran out of this because of me. 
Because every time I would be in there, I'm like, all right, cool, six-pack. And I'm usually like, I have to try something new. I'm like, all right, cool, six-pack. One's done. All right, now what? It was something I went to um, often. Uh, much like another beer that's actually not on either of our list that would happen without a lot was the Daisy Cutter. I was going to say, I, I did take a lot of Daisy Cutter. Yeah. I, was, I thought you were going to say Chill Wave, but that's not that But that's on my list. Yeah, Chill Wave's on my list, and that's from Great Lakes. And yeah. I think what adds it is, one, it was immediately a dip early on that's always stood the test of time. Like, dippas definitely became more and more, like, prevalent over the years as we were drinking. But Chill Wave was one of the first dippas that really stood out. And uh, Great Lakes, Chill Wave, Double IPA, Mosaic Hops, just incredible beer because it wasn't overly incredible. bitter. It wasn't, like... They they found a way to round out having a lot of hops. It was smooth. It was like that. That was the first beer. I think that was the first beer where like the hop profile led, and it wasn't bitter. Right, exactly. And there's plenty of beers like that, but that was just first one. Maybe Mm -hmm. it was the first time we didn't have anything. We had something besides Cascade hops, but hey, who knows? Nimble Giant is my number two, and I think Nimble Giant gets onto this list. Because of it being seasonal. It has its own badge. It, it is. Yeah, it does. It is incredible. Like, even if this was a year-long beer, this is an incredible beer. But I think what brings it over the edge is the fact that it's seasonal and it is so exciting to see it out again. Okay. Like, Matt Elf is cool. Okay, I was about to... Damn, you, you ruined it. You ruined, <laughs> I was going to say hot take, unpopular opinion. Matt Elf's good. Matt Elf is... Matt Elf's... Eh. I buy one six pack a year because it's Mad Elf. Shit, you buy more than me. And that was it. Yeah. And we just finished that. Right. And that was it. Yeah, Mad Elf's fine. Nimble Giant? Nimble Giant is definitely the best seasonal they have. That, that's incredible what they it's do with it. Definitely that. the best seasonal they have. Um, round out this list Space Dust by Elysian is one of my early on favorites. It's just a regular IPA. It was just one of those that. Was readily available in weird places. Like being out at IEP, I remember being able to get space dust. And so maybe it's that reason because it's, it could be better. But because I was able to get it and it was good, I held it in a higher regard because it was just like shit, even out here in Indiana, I can get this shit. And not Indiana, like the, like Indiana, Pennsylvania. Township. <laughs> yes, town. It technically is like a, a tier city. three city. So it's the city. So it's like of Philly, Reading, Indiana. So equal to like Shemokin, probably. Uh, and then just to finalize it, everything you know, I got to go with the pew, pew, pew. Okay. Han shot first. So yeah, if you're ordering a Han shot first at a bar and you're trying to be like cool, hip, or whatever, and you just put up the like finger guns at your bartender or waitress they probably don't know what you mean and they're gonna look at you like you are just you yeah me uh i'm shot first evil genius shout out to iep again um because commute com media major and you get a shout out like alpha shit all the time i get like one every three episodes so shout out to luke because luke you listen to this i know you do <laughs> yeah right yeah. Okay. yeah yeah um so evil genius down in philly fish town really cool spot very interesting names really good beer 
I wouldn't put a lot of those beers up in into uh, my list. I see Although that I you did, just I did. Just yeah, but uh, Evil Genius Hotshot first—that's another one of your seasonal beers, and that might be why I think craft beer. If you can do a half decent to good, borderlining great, and then don't seasonal? saturate it. Don't saturate the market with it. Like you know, that's probably also evil with uh, um, Mad Elf. Is that? It's seasonal, yet for some reason Bradley it's it, is, it, it does a great job at being like a Christmas time beer because much like Christmas music, it's seasonal, but That's man, all you can it's all you get all season. I could long. take Nimble Giant all year. I could, but they wouldn't push it like Mad uh, Elf. Right. So that's that's kind of where I'm at right. with Mad Elf. So uh, my list. Yeah, um, there we go. Top five beers. I said three earlier, but that was wrong. It's a top five beers list because uh, we couldn't narrow it down to three. I started off with Pseudo Sue from Toppling Goliath. Um, and that one, that one was introduced to us through Tavor, Tarvor. Maybe we'll get it right once they sponsor us. Um, Tavor probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my dad was doing that program. And that was really cool because we started getting like perennial, like brewing company. And a lot of stuff from the other side of this, like... Uh, Country. Country, yeah. Um, so, no, Pseudo Sue was a good Pseudo Sue was yeah. like, that That beer, my, that, that might be the best beer I've ever had. Really? Honestly, it's that good to me. I mean, it's, it's, I like, number one, it's number one, I have for a reason. Number two is White Monkey from Victory. Um, that was great. It's just their... Uh, it's just their Golden Monkey, which is a Belgian triple, uh, and they aged it in white wine barrels, and it just mellowed mellowed it out. You know what I really like by uh, going back to Goliath was the, uh, it was their uh, Galaxy Dry Hopped Pseudo Soup. Ooh. Yeah, that. That might be what I'm referring to then. Yeah. That's probably what we that had. Was, that was the one. It was the purple dinosaur rather than... Just the regular, yeah. yeah. It was like it was all purple. the The original one's purple and green. This one's all fucking purple. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah, that pseudo sue. That pseudo killer. Yeah. Okay. Now we're now we're cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're drinking. So yeah, but white monkey and they it was like limited. It was a limited batch, and that was it. I haven't seen it since they did it like one summer for like a, like two months, and it was gone. Really freaking good though. But then uh, my number three would be Dragon's Milk Reserve, which they do a series of these. Yo, Dragon's Milk by itself is very good. The Reserve Mocha Mint. I still remember you talking about this. Like we're sitting in Mary's at the bar, and he's just like, man, <laughs> it's in the back. If you want, like it's back there. You should get it because it's gonna. And then we went back there and it was gone. Yeah, right? it was actually, yeah. I don't it's, think I ever actually had it. It is it is just it is just fantastic. And I've never seen it again. Dragon's Milk Dragon's Milk Reserve, Mocha Mint from New Holland Brewing. It's an it's a Imperial Stout. It's Did Corey put you onto that? Like what what prompted you to pick that up? 
Dragon's milk is something they always have, right. no matter what. Yeah. So just going, I'm pretty sure it was just like we went through the list, like we were going through the aisles, me and Harry, I think. Yeah. And it was just they always have the dragon's milk, and then like, oh, whatever, res- and then whatever reserve they did at the time is also there in very limited stock. Right. When it's available, and that was there. It was around the holiday time, like this time, and it was seasonal, um, or limited mm. edition. Picked it up, and I was like, man. This is so good. And I don't know. Harry put me on to Dragon's Milk. So that's what the it was. beer. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had Dragon's Milk because that's of Harry. That's a stout guy. That's a stout guy. Because, you know, if you, we're, we're pre-gaming and, like, we're getting ready to go out somewhere and we need stuff that we can get through quickly, he'll get a six-pack of a stout. <laughs> a heavy one. A heavy version. And of only be, like, two heavy. stouts in when we're, like, done with the six-pack. Like, let's go. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Where was that? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so uh, yeah, Dragon's Milk. If you can have regular Dragon's Milk, get it. If you can get the Mocha Mint for some reason, if if they actually still make it, please. It is that yeah. good. Um, number four for me is more of the reason that you have Space Dust on the list or mm-hmm. like Chill Wave on the list. Purple Monkey Dishwasher from Evil Genius. It's a chocolate peanut butter porter. Done well. Done very well, Duclaw. Um, <laughs> it is it is probably the reason I like dark beer. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I liked a dark beer until I had Purple Monkey Dishwasher. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this works. Right, right, right. And then I was like, man, I should give these a try more. And there I went. So Purple Monkey Dishwasher for me is just one of those that's always been good. Um, I had in a six pack recently and it's still just as delicious as I remember and purple monkey dishwasher, man, evil genius. What can I say? Uh, number five, unbiased opinion from modern times. It's a white stout. We had that at, um, the barley Mow in the summer. We were sitting at the bar. It was, you know, after they did all the remodeling, it was one of the beers we had. And we were so we were looked at her like white stout, interesting. Yes. And then we we but interesting in a this probably isn't going to turn out right. well. And then we had it and we're like, holy shit! Wow. Yeah. So that no, is, you're right. I remember this now. Did not, but now do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Unbiased opinion, modern times. Unbiased opinion, unbiased yes. opinion is good. Unbiased opinion on an unbiased opinion. Amazing. Hmm. So, top, th- th- that's my five. Okay, cool. So, to round out this section, which took way longer than initially mm. anticipated, which sounds... Like every other apropos. episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just jump into mine, because this is more my like realm than it is yours. I did a top three movies and TV like series of the last decade for me. Um, just because I think of how... What an impact they had in different realms. And maybe it's just me. And I'll get into that for these three reasons. So the first one on my list is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Because this is one of those like very uh, very well done. This was where a lot of black people started really feeling represented. More than just Black Panther. Because Black Panther was cool. Right? Black Panther was great. Could easily get into this list. However, you took a traditionally white character 
and made a hit of a movie out of making him not only black, but black and Puerto Rican. Miles Morales. You take Peter Parker and turn it into Miles Morales. And not only bring it into, uh, oh yeah, it's a little bit of struggle to get into his powers, but then he's like, oh yeah, this like character hero's journey, like story arc. It's like, no, like he was useless. <laughs> useless. Because you also have like four other Spider-Mans that are happening at the same moment who are very established. And he is useless. <laughs> useless. But he's not just nerd. He's like cool nerd. He was like relatable nerd. Because I don't know about you. Like there was always the nerd in TV and like movies and stuff like that. That was just like altogether geeky. You know, just like. Right. <laughs> um, bow tie, sweater vest, you know, very nasally. Like this is just like your geek. And you and I both know because we were put into uh, systems that like identify that we are intelligent. But I, I know I could definitely say that I was identified as a nerd. I was definitely nerdish, but I also had quote unquote cool qualities to me. Like, and it might be across the board, but there was like even with NERD. That's how you say it. You don't say nerd. Um, that kind of culture, Lupe Fiasco, like that that culture of being in, uh, intelligent, being smart, being interested in like geeky shit, but being also like hip to what's going on and, and into a culture like Peter Parker was never really that. Peter Parker was never like cool but geeky. He was just kind of geeky. And he had like dad it's jokes. It's like the, yeah, it's like the, uh. But Milo Morales was fucking dope. Like, you know, he was tagging shit. Like, he was, like, his uncle was, like, really cool. And, like, all this other shit with Miles Morales was just, like, it was so relatable to be, like, oh, dude, like, he's still growing up in this, like, type of, like, industry. Like, dad, come on. Like, I can't be seen with the cop. Because, like, I'm going to this cool school. But, like, you re- you're, like, I'm going to this, not cool school, but this, like, school for higher, like, uh, educated people. Not even higher educated, but it was, it was that like pathway program for like school. people exactly, and um, having those like how do you navigate? Oh, I'm smart, smart to a level that I can like fake being dumb, it, and but still be cool and still have that like like that kind of friend circle. So for me, Spider Man into the Spider Verse was one of the first you know beyond Black Panther taking it to another level. Black Panther was good and needed and like a very defining moment. But Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse really hit on just another tier. So that's that. Another one is just a visually compelling. I think Wes Anderson's one of the best people like to ever come into like filmmaking as the Grand Budapest Hotel. Kind of going to fly through this one. Shot well. He's just... He, he found his formula. He knows what to do. Grand Budapest was like the pinnacle of it. He came out with another movie afterwards. Eh, but Grand Budapest Hotel just fucking... Insane in the membrane, color wise, shot wise, technically the ability, and he just has a star studded cast every time. I just look up to him, his cinematographer, his director, uh, not his cinematographer, uh, the person that runs the camera and everything like that. It's out of Philly, and I really want to try to meet that guy in the next five years. He's um, listening to, so yeah, of course. And then Westworld, Westworld was an incredible HBO series. Reason Game of Thrones doesn't make it onto here is because of the last season of Game of Thrones was absolute fucking hot garbage. I'm talking to everybody, y'all that are listening, which is everybody. F- 
fuck out. Fuck out. Get the fuck out of here. That was such a bad ending. And like, uh, whatever. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, this is where we just like... Uh, anyways, those, those are my top three. Westworld gets put into this top three because I have never come across a show that really, after every season, makes you have to... And it's only been two seasons. But after every season, after every episode, you actually have to go back because what is finished off in an episode changes every single scene in the prior episodes. I've never hit a show to be on that level. Watchmen got close, but Watchmen's also starting at the end of a decade. And I'm hoping has a bulk of their shows coming up in the next decade. And 10 years from now, when we're having this exact same episode about the next decade, oh, yeah. we'll talk about it. But we'll probably be sponsored by like Spike Lee. So, anyways. <laughs> moving on to our main topic, which is weird to say because it felt like we just got done with our main topic. Yeah, because we like to we like to horse around. Yeah. So, well, we'll probably go through this relatively quick. Um, I don't think we need to jump into it on every single bullet point that we no, hit. Because but the, the, the idea of it's family gatherings. Right, family gatherings. Um, you know, the, the holidays. Well, how, how often did your family um, get together? Ebb and flow. I, I don't know. It was, like, it was up and down. It, it, it varied depending on what was happening in all of our lives. Uh, but it was mainly around holiday seasons. Like, you got together. It wasn't, wasn't often Easter. Every once in a while we got together Easter. But Thanksgiving, Christmas being the main ones. I, I can't think of another holiday between, between uh, other than Thanksgiving and Christmas that we've really had a... This is a family gathering. We, you know, Tyler, don't make any plans. We we always do this. No, it was a uh, Thanksgiving was always that. It was usually at my place. Um, Christmas was the weird because it was Christmas Eve was with my mom's family. Christmas was that with my dad's family. How about yourself? Um, so Thanksgiving was never a whole family holiday for Man. me. Um, it was always kind of. Everyone was doing their own, every kind of cluster in the family was doing their own thing. Christmas Eve was the big one. That was the big one. Christmas Eve. And then Christmas Day was kind of like a lesser formal, like Christmas Eve was the big dinner. Mm -hmm. Grandma made the lasagna and all all the good stuff. And we all got Mm -hmm. sat down together and whatnot. Um, It's funny because Christmas Day, I started associating with being with family and then getting together with you. (laughs) <laughs> because it is what happened towards like when we started driving and like when we got older yeah. like before it was just like well I'm not going anywhere because it's Christmas day it's, just like, it's hard to convince a family member to like drive on that day right Um. but then once you were driving you know and especially when college started hitting it was like Christmas day which I remembered as a kid being like this whole fledged event and then not realizing that like everyone left at 7 o'clock and I was just really tired as yeah. a kid and I just went to bed <laughs> Uh, but we became like, okay, everyone's like gone or about to leave. Yo, Chris, what you doing? <laughs> Chardet around? Oh, God. <laughs> 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 and for me, I, you know, Christmas Day was always at my uncle's house and it was very less formal. We might have had more people come through, but people were coming through and leaving, going to other places right. and whatnot. And it was less formal, just kind of everyone come in as they as they come, and then we all hang out. People hang out and talk and whatever, and then they go. They're 
separate ways and everyone kind yeah. of cycles through but we always got there super freaking early like before everyone else got there which was okay because i just started picking all the food right away um, this is the best part and but mostly so that we can get to see everyone and then leave relatively early yeah like five o'clock we're out of there and what what have you they're from like 12 to 5 or 11 to 5 and then we're out of there mm. um for the rest of the day so yeah so like our schedules kind of worked out that way um particularly funny story about christmas was when you were driving finally <laughs> when i got my gopro when you got and you got your gopro and now it's christmas day slash going into christmas night so it's shaq's birthday yes night 21st 21st birthday and him and his dad were drinking <laughs> and he came down and then you were like yeah we, we, i gotta go, go pro i gotta get this we gotta get this thing at walmart because walmart's like, always open yeah. it doesn't matter that it's christmas and he's like well let's go so we drove out to the walmart on in uh Exeter. In, no we started no, we went to muhlenberg we the went temple to the muhlenberg one. the oh. temple one it wasn't open he's like well, let's try the the Exeter because one. Because at that time, the Exeter one was the newest brand yeah. spanking fucking. So we drove cleanest. all the way out there, and of course, it was closed. So you're like, "Ah, oh, let's drive." So like, so I decided I'll take I was the, back, take the way. back way home. I know I have a good sense of direction. I you took went the, the wrong. I took went, the left. You went the opposite way, and we ended up near Pottstown, going down these dark farm roads, <laughs> like these mills, death mills, cemeteries. And, yeah, just like Shack death. in the back. Check it out. <laughs> Acting like he just took a bite out of pork lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> it was just all around horrible. And then we came out like near pot, like past Pottstown. I was like, how did we even, how did we even get the, here? We, we passed Hidden River. We did. Because we were. And Before you, we knew. That was the other thing. We somehow ended up on the other side of the river. So that was nonsense. I don't, I don't know how. That was a fun day though. That was fun. It was a, it was a wasted amount of time, but it was a good like bonding area. Yeah, that was a good, that was a good uh, little anecdote, um, if you will. But you know, I, you know what 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 was your experience like at Christmas Eve and then Christmas? It was yeah. two different sides because, of your family. Yeah, exactly. I, I definitely had a unique, well, not unique, but unique in this case situation of Christmas Eve was with my mom's side of the family, or as one could say, the white side of the family. It could say that. Definitely accurate. Uh, it was very interesting because uh, that was actually the family dynamic that seemed to break down earlier than my like dad's side of the family. So that was, it was a little evident more because I had an aunt that went through a divorce and like different things are happening in, in uh, that family that every year that would go by, you started by with, uh, started off with this huge, like stereotypical, like hallmark. Christmas, where you would walk in, everyone's there excited to see you. In their presents, sweater. Presents yeah. stacked up to the fucking highest. Like, you're counting, like, I got more presents than you, motherfucker. And you're, like, five years old. Um, <laughs> but it was cool. It just, it, it, it had that Hallmark feel. Like, you looked outside and you're like, oh, I think I saw Rudolph, right? Um, and it was, it was northern PA. Like, so, like, it was always snow. You know what I mean? Like, it was just always yeah, a little more magical. Yeah. Um, and then it just broke down. People just didn't start coming. Things happened. And, like, as a kid, like, growing up, you, you didn't realize what was actually happening. And it's just like, well, why are, like, less people here? This doesn't seem as magical. And you're just becoming older. And uh, that was that side. It was it was more uh, Polish. <laughs> it was Polish because there's, like, pierogies. There was, like, uh, 
there's this one fish that we have all the time and I fucking love as long as it's the boned. Um, because sometimes there's like tiny fucking bones in it. But uh schmelt or something like that. Like it's 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 an interesting like Christmas holiday. Uh but I, I absolutely love it. And then we come back and it was my dad's side of family, it was the black Christmas. Um why did that why you have to have that tone? Because we gangsta. Um <laughs> That one sometimes became more of like, oh shit, someone just like showed up. Like, <laughs> time Chris was like, oh hey, cuz you're back from Virginia. All right, cool. Uh, have a plate. Uh, oh, cool. You're up from Philly. What's good? Oh, you decided to drop in from New Orleans. Awesome. This is a good surprise. It's cool. It, it, again, it was it was stronger family connection because I got to see them more. Um, and it didn't break down as early. Like literally, the only breakdown of the holiday because it was always at our house was uh, my dad passed. And we haven't had a holiday since. And that's been like the, the, the biggest thing. Like uh, we even tried to do Thanksgiving this year and it just didn't happen. And it, it's been the hardest. And, and what happened was Easter became, as I said, it wasn't always, but it became one of those holiday traditions. And my dad died Easter Monday. Um, actually, after one of the best holiday, like holidays together. Came in, it was abnormally warm. <laughs> so uh, and it was because it was like early April. And because uh, it was, yeah, it was literally early April. Yeah. It was our April 1st going into April 2nd. April 1st was Easter. Um, and so, you know, I went, played tennis with my god kids, you know, like really got them into the sport for a little bit. Just, it was just a wonderful, and we just talked about how wonderful day it was. And I, I gave my dad like a salute before going to bed, and I just didn't know that, that was the last time. Uh, and ever since then, like that Christmas following, like that Thanksgiving, nothing. At Christmas, we went to San... Like, my cousin, my aunt, and my godkids, we went to uh, San Antonio. But then since then, it's been nothing. And it's been such an interesting mix because that was the... Literally, the black Christmas because we were watching basketball. Like we, I remember watching, like, LeBron play, like, the Cavs the first year that that shit happened. And I remember... Uh, I got In Living Color, and like the first season of In Living Color on a DVD set, and that was part of my like coming into my blackness like type of shit, where I was like, homie the clown, yeah, homie don't play that shit, joking about how my aunt used to always call my dad, homie the clown, like it was that type of shit, it was, it was always different, it was, uh, I don't know, it, it felt like a lot more close-knit, it was, my mom's side of the family was very, everything is alright. There was very little, like, shit ever going wrong except for, like, the strange racial things that would pop up with, like, Hispanics because in the Hazleton area that became a huge thing. Oh, um, just in the Hazleton area. For, for <laughs> them, because of Freeland, Hazleton, Jetto area being so white for so long and then just a fucking influx and just not being, like, again, I always look at it, maybe not, it, it's still racial, but it, it just not the understanding of, like, them having their whole life of not running into people and not having to think about different things and then just like a different culture being like smacked into it and then them just not ever having any education on how to deal with that. Not saying what how they're dealing with it or what they say is right, but then also being on like a biracial thing and having both like having right. experience on both sides of the thing. I can, com- can clearly understand why they react in a way. Because I remember going through Timberland Outlet after 9-11 and seeing what, what hijab, oh, what is the, the head headpiece for, for women in the, like, yeah. the hijab, right? Mm-hmm. Um, seeing somebody in Timberland like that 
as a kid, I think I might have been like fourth grade, third or fourth grade. And I got like kind of freaked out. I said to my dad, I was like, I just don't feel comfortable right now. Can we leave the store? And my dad like trying to calm me down, said, yeah, sure. And then out of earshot at her, essentially said, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> like, he goes, why did you want to leave the store? And I said, well, she made me feel uncomfortable. And she goes, why? And I was like, well, because 9-11 and then like everything I saw on TV with people that looked like her. And she goes, so that's prejudice. And I was like, oh, fuck, so I'm fucked up here? She goes, yeah, no, you're kind of fucked up. I'm like, oh. Let's go back shit. in the store. <laughs> but nobody had that education. I don't yeah. think anybody on that side of the family had that educational aspect or like because they didn't have to experience that ever. So it's still fucked up. Yes, it is. But I, I had a little more understanding. I still don't think it's right. Imagine the writing area where that has been happening for decades. Yeah. 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 Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's... I have, a, I have a very different experience. Yeah. Because I don't know the black side of my right. family. And I only had the white side of the family. But I, I, you know, I... But you still had to go through those... Comments had to be. Yeah, of course, of course they were, but um, you know it's 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 weird because it's a, you, you feel like I I you know it's nothing that they did or said, but you you know you you, you once 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 yeah and once you get old once I started getting older I kind of fell into the uh, I kind of became self aware mm-hmm. that I'm the black sheep for okay, lack of a wait, better term so there's a black take, sheep syndrome it's how like, long did it take for you to realize not n- not long <laughs> okay because for me it was just like i think maybe middle school again for me it was just like yeah it's like i'm black yeah it's like hope uh, i you know it's like yeah oh 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 God. dad I, for me it was just like <laughs> having to scream out for the only other person like ah! <laughs> for me i'm just looking around like fuck <laughs> Well, I'm I'm shit out of luck. <laughs> no, it's you know, uh, but you know, it's the 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 dynamic that you talk about with your mom's side of the family is, is like ring so true. It's kind of it was almost hallmarky in a way, but and it was like oh everything's fine, but that doesn't mean everything's fine. Right. That's just the that's just what's put out there. It's such a weird thing because so, no one ever talked about what wasn't right, and then like <laughs> getting older was just like. So yeah. no one's going to talk about this. <laughs> so like there's so then like there's just like the passive aggression is the best way I can put it and then like so it, it wasn't there before and then I don't know if it was there before cuz maybe I was just too young to understand right. it but like you know there is a there is a bit of a passive aggressive kind of like divide and it's not really a divide that much it really isn't but it's it kind just of a lifestyle. It was a it's a, it's enough lifestyle. yeah it's enough that you know we haven't done Christmas Eve the past two years mm. at my. It used to be at my place. Christmas Eve used to be at my place, okay, yeah, yeah. but honestly, it was my grandmother holding that thing yep. together. That that's who was holding it together, and then she went through a whole bunch of health issues over yeah. the past year, and she was not. She was still in the hospital during Christmas. So me and my mom, uh, my girlfriend, and her mother. We had a Thanksgiving together. I enjoyed looking at that from the outside. Yeah, that was cool. Um, But it was kind of, but it, but it, but when you look back on it, you know, you see that shift and the tension that comes with an ailing family member that kind of is Mm -hmm. the glue in a sense. Yeah. For me, it was always looking back at those two, like, 
Christmas and Christmas Eve just seem to be the best way to describe it. Kind of looking back at those, growing up, I looked at that and I was like, okay, cool. This is kind of how it's going to be like when I get older. It's like, there's going to be the Christmas Eve and there's going to be the Christmas. Like, you know, like I'll have to decide how we want to orchestra that with my, my side of the family. But it, it, it solidified, even though we're all growing and shit like that. Like, there's always going to be this Christmas Eve, Christmas, like, like thing going on and realizing like these traditions come out of change and growing older and they're not I always viewed it as oh this was always happening like my dad was always having Christmas here and then my mom was always having Christmas Eve with everybody right. and, but it and, clearly it couldn't break. have been yeah right and it's it, like it's, oh wait this obviously isn't has never hasn't always been the case yeah. and, and coming into that and it's just one of those things where it's just that education in the sense of you and you eventually learn that it's just a evolving relationship it's an evolving thing as you get into relationships as marriages work don't work as people drift and move it's always changing but it's one of those things that you have to learn for yourself and you have to learn to adapt to yourself and that might actually attribute to the mental health issues that occur in these holiday seasons ah we, yes. we talk about these mental health seasons like it's just like maybe a FOMO thing maybe it's a I don't think enough is drawn on to the dramatic changes that happen in a core family institution that no one ever teaches you to be prepared for. They yeah. just happen. And then if you aren't able to handle it, it's just kind of then like, what? yeah. well, well, what's wrong with you? Like, we're all dealing with it rather than just like, a, I don't know. I think with my kids going in the future, just kind of having that establishment at some point with them, especially when the first major incident happens or the first occurrence that you realize there's a major change with your child, just being able to say, hey, look, this is this is part of life. What's, happen, what's happening is people are growing. We're growing. You're obviously growing. Look how tall you are. Nothing in life tends to stay the same. And as much as you appreciate what we're going through right now and what we've had in this past you know we, we we have to look at at the future and how we can be adaptable i talk to people about this all the time in sense of being an entrepreneur or being creative or going after your goals you can have a plan of where you want to be in your life and then the first step you take might fall apart a lot of people turn back around and say fuck it this isn't for me but just because the first step wasn't right doesn't mean that your end goal was wrong. It's just a different path. And I just think there's there's sometimes failure to communicate on a, uh, on a family level. And I think you and I, especially in a lot of biracial, multiracial, alternative blacks, or just alternative people. Alternative people. Uh, have this issue where you're faced with all these different types of facets of life. That you have to learn to adapt to because not only are you learning to grow as a person, but you're learning to grow as a multiracial person who is so much, uh, has so many different angles or degrees of themselves and becomes that much more complex. And we're not given tools all the time no, to address be, that. Well, because how can, how can me, a black boy growing up in mm -hmm. a white family with no no one else that hits my demographic yep. who in my who in my family is supposed to be the person that looks like me to tell me what they've been through and how I should proceed because I didn't have that I mean your dad was that right for me um you know so it 
you know, our family experiences are vastly different. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, and I'm, I'm honestly far closer to a lot of your family members than I am <laughs> to a lot of my family members. And yeah. it's because I, I can relate to, to your family members a lot more. And I think that became know? part of like why I discussed about us becoming older and being able to drive and stuff like that as a reason why, you know, Christmas Day became more of a tradition of us then meeting up. But it definitely can be looked at as a, we became more and more aware of like our family structure and our racial components because there's some stuff that I couldn't talk to my dad's family about as much as I couldn't talk to my mom's family about. So being able to connect after a stressful holiday season and decompress over all the bullshit was really good and that's probably all of that led to this podcast and I I think as we round out the show I think that's really big to hit upon is the fact that especially with multiracial like people like biracial people especially if they're the first generation of that type of multifaceted like human being you're going to be put into a lot of situations that most of your family weren't put into as much as they can relate to different things they can't relate to all of it so um, yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna kind of be marginalized in a sense, or feel marginalized yes. in a sense from both sides of it. Um, one more so than the other for most of it, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. But that's not that's not that side of the family's fault. At least in our case, mm-hmm. that's just it is it is the structure of it's just the way the society and this country history has led to the structure of the society Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also been really like for me at least it's been really rewarding because i've had family members that just uh at points have reached out to me at at a point where they're just like you know i i i read about this thing with somebody or like i I was like i i finally got exposed to like this uh racial injustice or something like that and it made me think about you and i just want you to know that like you're strong like you are like you like all these things and they really like like un- they've unleashed this like connection to me and like spoke to me and like I, I i'm sorry for what you have to go through or what you may have experienced and i hope that you don't have to experience as much as some other people have and like it's really cool to be not the token <laughs> but to uh to be the reason that someone might right can actually understand, understand. where like uh, like some people who don't have a black person in their family might not be able to relate well, to the humanity of things. Well, that's an interesting point to think about because that's another point is our mothers are the people in the white side of the family <laughs> that have the black relative. <laughs> yeah. You know, vested. I mean, I, I mean, to be honest, I mean, the, you know, I, my mom's the only person who's ever expressed that to yeah. me. And it was um, after Trayvon Martin was shot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy because I, and, and maybe it's because no one else in my family, I would say I close enough to, for them to, you know, feel maybe comfortable enough to reach out in that way. But, um, you know, it's, it's just an interesting dynamic, you know, that that person also has now, um, an extra level that maybe the rest of the family doesn't who is another degree of removed from it um but you know that doesn't you know there there are some people who are fine there's a there's some parents that find themselves in that situation that don't learn from 
you know, that experience of their child or the person that they were with, mm-hmm. you know. So it's not a given, but... Yeah. There's a show on Netflix, I, I think to round out the show, um, there's uh, this episode. Okay, so Carrie Washington, i got to bring it up because family. Uh, not family, but she watches the show. Carrie uh. um, Washington. Amer- it's called American Son. It was a bro- it was a play that was adapted to this Netflix series. Not even series, a show. I don't know if you've seen it. Incredible, because it's black mom, white dad. White dad's a cop. Something happens there in a precinct. They're trying to deal with a situation that was involving their son, and it's going back and forth and all these things. Family's strange. Like, parents are strange. It's... You just have to watch it. Because I think it, it's it's a, it's a telling piece. I don't think you have to be somebody who has two sides of a family. Like, I, I think this is... For me, it was one way to really identify with a show that kind of went through internal struggles that not to that degree, but the conversations that were being had, and especially between the parents, where it was just like, oh, well, you didn't think about it that way, did you? Or like, well, you need to be doing better. And like all these different conversations that were being had that I don't know may have been having, have been had behind my back. But it was really interesting to see about the parental level of dealing with that in such a different way. This was such an interesting episode of Alternative Black Podcast because it, it hit, it started off fun. It was very fun. <laughs> and, I, and we needed that because we knew what we were about to get into as far as holiday season, navigating the space that we had to navigate growing up because it was inevitable that it was going to be become evident yeah. to us. So I just, I think my advice going forward with people that live in or yeah, live in the, the situation that we live in. Uh, sometimes you look at it like, well, maybe I don't want to fuck with that side of the family or like this kind of stuff. Or even because you're growing, you, you want to identify with another side of the family more. Uh, being able to look at yourself at a, for me, being able to look at myself in a way that I could be a... Uh, a chameleon. A, not even a chameleon, but be able to navigate into a realm where it's just like, oh, okay, what would you have said if I wasn't here? Right. Or like, ooh, maybe I maybe I can help with a little bit of growth with my cousins. You know, like in, in that type of sense and and just uh become more more intentional when I'm in a space. And I, I think that's helped me in life when uh navigating from room to room, not code switching. It wasn't necessarily a code switch. I don't think I ever code switched with my family, but it was always about uh Going from room to room with different people and just being able to say how, how, not how do I present myself, but how do I place myself in here as authentically as I can be while not being like, I'm black, right? Or like, <laughs> I'm white. Right, uh, right. Not, not having to do any of that, but just kind of put in the face, just like, okay, cool. This is who I am. Are you going to talk about black people like that? Mm, well, oh, hey guys. Yeah. Or, or are you going to talk about white people like this? We're just like. I get where you're coming from. Uh, <laughs> but it, it was just interesting. It, it, it made me more aware of both sides of an issue. It became so powerful. For for the, such a long time, I looked at my particular like standpoint as a negative, as a weakness. Because I felt like I didn't belong. And then didn't realize the power behind it. Right. Yeah, I, I, definitely, I definitely think that caused a lot of awkwardness 
in my interactions with my family members. Um, and that's that, honestly, that's on me and mm. how I handle things uh, when I was younger. Right. Um, so it's kind of like hard to really like mend that, you know, um, kind of just shutting down in that company, mm-hmm. just, you know, just being there and, you know, not really saying anything and just kind of shutting down. It's kind of like I don't feel comfortable or as comfortable as I used to. Right. Um, or as a black kid, here I am in this situation because, you know, as much as I want to, I am biracial, as much as I am biracial, I mean, I don't really look white. No, no, no. As much as we're biracial, we definitely identify as non-white. Yeah, we are definitely not white. Yes. And that's how we are treated. Um, so it's definitely navigating those spaces, even talking to your family in the sense of like, yeah, you know, you know, you know, that I'm not just black but the world sees me as a person of color right and so while you may like oh but you're different you have to realize what the reality of the world is how you speak about everybody else is how they speak about me so think about that the next time you're speaking about people and just having that conversation I could have had a lot more influence in my family I think if I would have been more willing to speak up and not a aggressive speak up but a just like a matter of factly like Come on, guys. And I think we're, we're in a... I think the show specifically is really good to help give confidence to people in, in that realm. But I, I hope it also brings awareness to other people that are looking around and maybe see a kid and like, have the uh, benefit of knowing that they're biracial or something like that. And just having a chance to have a conversation like, hey, how is this process going for you? Like... And it's hard to have that conversation. And even if you do approach somebody like that, they may not be willing... To speak about that immediately. But just thinking about the different aspects of their lives that really uh, are affected by this because it becomes so complex. And that's what we're really trying to do. We're going to be bringing on more guests in 2020 that that fall into the realm of alternative because we're all alternative. Right. We all have different levels to ourselves that make us different than the norm. I don't think anybody that we talk to even anyone who is quote unquote black can say that they are a hundred percent black. Like that they have never committed something that right. would have gone there. Quote unquote black card. <laughs> they're not mainstream. Right. Man. Exactly. <laughs> well, black are the original hipsters. <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Thank you guys for coming out to the uh, event. Cause we know you all did. And thank you for the first time listeners from the event, because we all know if you were there, you ended up listening to the podcast, all the episodes, yes, all, all the all episodes, like, every single 18? one. Thank you. All subscribe. 18. Yep. Like, like on every platform, right on every platform, just, you know, overload the world with us. Yes, please. We're overloaded with the world. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be good for a different, like change of pace. Yes. Thank you so much. And until next time, peace.